seated. You may be seated. Well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter 15 is somewhat of a, a change in pace from 14. You remember last week there was a lot of discussion about gifts and how they're being used and, and, uh, and, and order in the church. So um, this final section of Paul's letter, he, he kind of deal with uh, uh, the, the defense of the, uh, the resurrection uh, of, of Christ and, and particularly the resurrection of Christ. And um, the reason he have to deal with this is because uh, this is probably the best defense of the resurrection in the whole Bible, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. And, 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 and the reason it's important because as, Christian, as Christians in Christianity, we kind of hinge a lot of what we believe on the resurrection. I mean, that's a, that's a foundational, a pivotal piece of, of, of what we believe. And so whenever there's some doubt about that, then that minimizes the, the effect of the message of Christianity because it's centered around that. In other words, the point that we're going to try to see and make here tonight, if, 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 if Jesus did not, was not raised from the dead, then that means all the things that we tell people about that is not true, and it's a lie. And that will put Jesus in the category as no other, like, no, like any other prophet. So he would be no different than Mohammed or any of those guys who came before him if he didn't get raised from the dead. And because that is so important, this uh, question must have been coming up in the Corinthian church because there were probably some believers out there who were being influenced by false teachers who, who because of Greek uh, culture and Greek ideology, a lot of them did not believe in a resurrected body. They believed that anything that's matter was never good and so therefore there would be no way that it could be perfected and raised from the dead. So it, it, it would be almost like because we have never seen that, this is one of those lessons where we can find ourselves in a trap if we don't just accept it by faith. That, that be, you can ask some question about it and how did Paul wrote this, and, and I don't have all the answers. No theo theologian got all the answers. We just have to say, okay, we believe that it's gonna happen, now, if this guy got it right, if the church is going to be here when Jesus comes back, and people argue that, and they've been arguing that for years, you know, whether you believe in a, a, a rapture, uh, and, and is it going to take place, you know, before the tribulation period, or is it going to take place after the tribulation period, they've been arguing that for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so I, I'd rather just say, okay, it's going to happen, and I don't have to pinpoint it, I just need to be prepared for it. But if there's someone out there and that's what their goal or call in life is to, to, to argue that point or make that point, then that's fine with me. But at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with my salvation. Because Jesus told me, hey, no man really know the hour or the day when he's coming back. So, you know, I, I, I'm not spending a lot of time trying to figure that out. But I do want to spend a lot of time saying, okay, yeah, we got to tell people that we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, that got to be a pivotal point of what we do. And so that's what Paul makes this case here tonight. Uh, in verse uh, chapter 15, he starts out in verse 1. Look, he says this. He says, let me now remind you. Now, anytime you remind someone of something, what are you doing? I mean, you know, when you say, let me now remind you. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them something that you've told them before. Bringing something that remembers so they can understand where you're coming from. So he says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, the gospel, I preached to you before. 
He said, now when I preached to you before this good news, he says, you welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. Now we're going to see not all of them, but some of them are still standing firm. So he said, hey, look, y'all welcomed the message, you believed the message, you received it, and then you were standing firm in it, but all of a sudden something has come up to start you to question some of the things that I taught you. So let me remind you of what I taught you and how important it was. He says, now look in verse 2, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. So it says, all best off if all I was doing was lying to you. If you believe in a lie, then it really don't matter. But because you believe the truth, then you got to stand on that truth all the way to the end. You can't waver back and forth on this issue, even though, you know, we can't wrap our mind about the exactness of how it may occur or how it may play out. We have to just wrap our mind around what we believe that the word of God is, and that's true. And so he said, now look, uh, if you didn't believe this, then it would only be because maybe it, I didn't tell it to you right. Maybe I lied to you. But since I didn't lie to you, then I'm believing that you're going to still hold on to that truth. He said, now look, he make it clear what was the most important thing of what he passed on. In verse 3 and 4, he said, I passed on to you what was most important, most important, and what had also been passed on to me. He said, now, here's the most important things about what I passed on you. Three things. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, probably making a reference to Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, where he's talking about wounded for our transgression, talking about Christ died for our sin. He say, that's important. You got to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Okay? Then he says, and he was buried, verse 4, that's number 2. He died and he was buried. Well, being buried is important because you wouldn't need to bury him if he wasn't dead. And so that's why when you read some of the accounts in the gospel, it, there was a, 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 a lie going around that say that the the disciples had stole Jesus' body. And so because of that lie going around, a lot of people believe today that Jesus was never raised from the dead. Somebody just stole his body. Okay? So what we got to say here is that he says that, look, he was buried. And then the third thing, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He said, you, those are the important things. That's the gospel. You got to believe that. You got to hold on that. If you don't believe that, then we might as well be doing something else. Because everything else that we try to do beyond that is just going to be a, 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 a drill in, in vanity and futility. So he says, now look, and this third day concept comes based on the Jewish calendar, not on the way we count three days. A lot of time I you know, hear young people debating that, want to say, well, how do you get three days out of Friday to Sunday? It looked like he should at least have to go all the way to Monday, you know, to get your three-day weekend out of it. Well, we normally count our time and days based on a Julian calendar and not a Jewish calendar or Hebrew concept. In other words, in Genesis, it talk about and the evening and the morning was one day. So in the Jewish culture, they start counting days as sundown, whereas no, we start talking about sun up as a new day. So, so in their culture, if Jesus was crucified between 1 and 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, 
then by sundown, that's one day. Even though he was only up there for three hours, that's one day in their mind. So to sundown the next day is two days, and then the next morning will be the third day. Because sundown Saturday will be day two, and then now he will be working on day three after sundown on Saturday. So that's how the Jews come up with that three days, but if we do it like we normally count days in, in our system, then yeah, it'll look like the, the, the math don't add up. So you have to understand that so because the scripture said that he was going to be raised on the third day, just as the scripture says. Now he says he go to try to give some eyewitnesses account of this and that. And the only thing I look at Paul here, and I don't know why he overlooked them or he left them out. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe at that time he just didn't know that the women saw him too. He just looked like he just remembered all the boys who saw him and even got the ladies who saw him. Because, you know, we know the Easter story, you know, the early Sunday morning. It was women at the tomb before men was at the tomb. But, but Paul kind of don't show that record of that. But, but that's, his, that's his leading. I ain't going to argue it. We know it's recorded in the Gospels. So because it's recorded in the Gospel, we take that and add it to what he's saying here and use that as evidence that somebody saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. Because he said, now look, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. Normally that 12 that's talking about those original disciples who walked with Jesus at the time, but then later on they're going to talk about other disciples. So there was more than 12 that followed Jesus, but these were the primary ones, the ones who eventually became the apostles. He says, look at this, verse 6. After that, he has he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some are, have died. Some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So all these are supposed to have been now to him eyewitnesses account that people saw Jesus after he was put in the grave. Meaning that, okay, these would be considered eyewitnesses, and so therefore he's using them as testimony to justify the belief in the resurrection. Then he says, last of all, as though I would have been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Now, all of you who have been with us as we've gone through all the letters that Paul wrote in the whole New Testament just about, you know that this part has always been a contention for him. Because he was not one of the original ones to see him, and he did not personally walk with Jesus, because during that time, he was persecuting the church. And so therefore, if you remember, Major, when we was going through some of those letters, some letters he always have to say, I, Paul, an apostle of the Lord, you know, not called by man. In other words, so there were some people who thought that, okay, he was not really a true apostle because he did not walk with Jesus, because at that time, one of the criteria that they had said was that you had to walk with the Lord in order to be apostle. So that's why that, that debate goes on to the day because there are some people that believe that the office of apostles is no longer needed today and no longer required because they didn't walk with Jesus so therefore you don't have to be. But, but the Bible still talk about the five-fold ministries and an apostle is one of them. So if someone wants to say that they've been called to be an apostle, I won't argue that. But I do know that there are some arguments against that particular office as well as prophecy. Some people believe that when your Bible became uh, you know, complete, you no longer need a prophecy because it's, going, it's got it all there for you. So, but again, I won't debate that either. But that, that argument is out there 
but all of those officers are identified in other letters in the Bible. So he says, I was the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. Well, we saw that from the last series we just did when Jesus called them. You know, he admitted his testimony was, hey, man, I was a bad dude. And so because I was such a bad dude, I didn't even consider myself worthy to be doing what I'm doing now. But it must be something that's out there that's true that have changed my life around. So that what he's saying, he said, I wasn't worthy. But then he said, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor or grace on me. And not without results. So he's saying that, look, when, when I met the Lord and he poured out his favor on me, he poured out grace on me, he had, he had mercy on me, it was not a vain effort. I didn't let him down. He, he says now because I didn't let him down because for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. I, now, it sounds like he's being arrogant there. But you got to look at it from the standpoint of not him bragging about him working harder. He is saying it was harder for me to convince folk because everybody knew about me. They, they knew that I was a bad dude. And so now all of a sudden I done got saved. I'm trying to tell them I'm okay. They remember when I was torturing folk. So, so they ain't going to believe me as quick as they will Brother Major John, that John Major, you know, John walked with him. John was a nice guy. You know, John was on the out. So they believe John, but now here come Paul, an insolent dude, a bad dude. And all of a sudden now he's talking to Jesus. He said, no, the audience is always going to be skeptical when they hear me because they know my history. They know my past. They know how I persecuted the church. And he says, look, that's why I had to work harder. Not that I was better than they were, but I just had to work harder. But obviously, you know, he wrote more than all of them, too. So he did work. He, he wrote more letters. You know, some of the books that Luke wrote, Acts and, uh, and, 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 and the book of Luke, is longer than a lot of the letters that Paul wrote. But he wrote to more people, wrote to more audiences than anybody else. So, so he worked harder. And he said, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. He says, God blessed me with some favor on my life after he called me. I couldn't have did it if it had not been for the Lord. And so he's making this case. He said, now, so it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message. You have already believed. Well, that, you can go back up to what he told you, three things that's most important. We all got to say something about Jesus being the son of God, that he, was, he, was, he died for our sins, he was raised on the third day. You know, we got to say something about that. Everybody who preached the gospel got to preach that same message. You, you can't omit that because that is a foundational truth of the gospel. And if those things are not true, then that's why he come back now and start talking about he, the, the resurrection of the dead. So now he talk about the resurrection of Christ, uh, in the first part of this, then now he get into this concept of the resurrection of the dead when you start in verse 12. Now, what we're going to see here is that it is believed that there may have been some people that got in the church who did not share the same viewpoint as others did about the resurrection. They may have taken on the mindset of the Greek teaching that they had been under, and because of that, it could have been causing some problems 
in the church. You know, um, it would be like today if someone said, man, God made you. I, I know you go to church and, and, I, and I, I can handle Jesus. I, I can believe that Jesus, I can believe that. But man, when you start trying to make me buy into this resurrection, man, every time I go by the cemetery, they still out there. If I dig up that hole right now, you know, they just turn to dust, but they, they still there. And, and, and I don't even know how. It just don't make no sense to me that something that done turned back to dust, one day going to come up out of that vault. Oh, you know, they got lost at sea. They ain't never found them. A whale ate them. So how, how they going to come back? How, how they going to come back? I, I just can't wrap my mind. You talking about going to be raised from the dead, going to be a resurrection. How is that? So that will make you think. You say, a natural person say, you're right, grandmama's still there. You, you know, I mean, I ain't got no proof. I, ain't, I don't have no proof that grandmama called me from heaven and said she'd have made it in. None. Now, some of y'all may have had a relative that done came back and visited you and told you they made it in, but I just ain't had that yet, so that ain't been my experience. So what I'm trying to tell you, when you're thinking about that, someone in the natural mind will say, man, you're right. If someone got in the church and started spreading that, some of these young folks say, yeah, that makes sense because what pastor's saying just don't go along with the laws of physics. And it just don't go along with that. So you could imagine if someone got in this church spreading that and people start buzzing around that, then Paul said, man, we got we to gotta nip this in the bud because, man, if they tear down the resurrection, we ain't got nothing else to stand on. You know, it's the resurrection of the bus. I mean, it's, it's it or nothing. Fred, go ahead. That, that's where your faith got to come in at. Because Hebrews talking about that, the evidence of things not seen. So that's where you, you got to believe that and receive that by faith. Amen. And, 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 that's the, and that's the right answer. And that's why, you know, in addition to this concept and the belief of the resurrection, the, next, the, 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 the number one thing above that is we have to first accept everything that the Lord tells us by faith. We, we have to believe that what he said is true because we did not witness it. So for us more so, we have to believe some things we have never seen. But guess what? We already do that, but we just trust the people who told us. You already believe stuff and repeat stuff you've never seen before, but because somebody who you believe told you that, you repeat it as if it's true. And even though you didn't see it, so you acting in faith. You, you don't really know when you were born. You don't. Somebody told you. So what if they had got it wrong? What if they had missed a day? And it was 11.58 instead of 11.50, 12 o'clock. And they, and they was off minutes. But that's on your certificate. And guess what you do? You walk around and say, I was born that day. Even though they looked at the clock and they was two minutes slow, it was the next day. But because somebody who credible told you that, by faith you walk around and tell everybody, I was born on November 7th, 1953. Who told you that? Well, that's what they say on my birth certificate. Well, did you see the person who wrote that? No, I don't even know him. But they wrote it on there. I believe my mom and them, they say that's the date. And we know some of them old birth certificates all jacked up. <laughs> we, we know that for a fact. You just got to go back and just find some of your relative stuff. They, they got some names on there. Like my, my mom's them last name spelled four different ways. 
last name Sir, some of them S-E-R-S, S-U-R-L-E-S, you know, S-E-R-S. I, I mean, I'm saying, okay, <laughs> which one are you, you know? But for somebody asking what their last name, it's Cyril. Don't ask them how to spell it. They're going to all say it the same way, but they all spell it. Some of them spell it differently. So the point I'm trying to make is that in us is already we believe things we have no real evidence of sometimes. We believe history books that have been written by somebody else, and we just take their account of it and believe it was real. George Washington, we didn't see him cross no Delaware. We didn't even know he had an ax to cut down a cherry tree. But somebody told you that, and you believe it. We know they lied to us about Christopher Columbus. We know that's a lie, but we still say, he discovered America in 1492. I learned that way back then. If someone asked me that right now, I'm going to repeat that lie. So what I'm trying to get people to see is that we already believe things we have not seen. Brother Herb, and then anybody else? But, but one, of the thing, what, one of the things, if we're going to go back to this time in Corinthians, Paul already stated that there's disciples, one is Peter, and not only that, there was, he also mentioned that was 500 people that witnessed Jesus Christ has, has risen, and some of them still alive today, the evidence of witnessing, for they have, that's the proof of witnessing. I, I, I mean, for, for, for this time right there. And it hurt, uh, but, but it's I, no different than grandmama telling me that. But That's the proof. But my, but grandmama my, said it. But well, my, my testimony is, but the reason it is just, just the fact that this too, Pastor, I mean, for, for us to believe this word, it is reliable, reliable witnesses of the events that happened of the time of the past up to this time. I'm just saying, and that's, for me, in a sense, is that what, that's what you have to uh, have faith on and believe upon. Because when you support what, her, um, what Brother Fred said. And but what I'm saying, too, for, for, for the witness of birth certificate, that's, that's, that's the proof of witnessing that you was born. I mean, a record, a documentation, a documentation is saying that I was born these people witnessed that Herbert Thompson was born by, by my father and my mother. I, I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's a testimony, things. a witness, reliable witnesses. But that you some have to reliable believe that. witnesses got it wrong, Herb. There are people out there who got birth certificates that got the bad dates on it. People miss, they miss, miswrote something. They did something bad. But, and they believe it. That, that's my but, point. And I'm, I'm not saying what you're not but, saying but, is right. These, that's why he gave them as a testimony that these were witnesses. But just because they were witnesses of something, everybody saw it differently. But we got to believe by faith, like Fred say, I believe what you're saying right here, and I believe what they just read. It was 500 people saw him here. These guys saw him. So based on that, I don't have nothing to go on but faith. Because now one of the witnesses came and talked to me. I'm reading an account. I'm reading a historical account of what someone wrote, and I got to believe that account based upon I believe that this is the word of God and it's the word of truth. But if I don't have the faith to believe that it's the word of God and the word of truth, then when someone coming to me and make an argument that, hey, there is no way 
somebody can get up from the dead. Then you got to be able to defend the hope that you believe in. And, and, and so he used that as evidence. He, 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 he make an account for all those people who saw that and saw those events. But we realized, too, that he was talking to people who really did not believe in a physical resurrection. Because in that, some of them thought that our body is nothing but matter, and because it's matter and human, it can nothing be good about it, so there will be nothing about it that would get up. And so that teaching going around like that will cause some of the people in the church who have been listening to the teaching that they have been, been taught by the apostles to start to doubt. If they weren't doubting, he wouldn't have to talk about it. So it was causing a problem in the church because some church folk was having a hard time with this thing called the resurrection. And I stand here today and believe that there are some people in the church today that still have a hard time grasping the resurrection. Even though they come to church, even though they say believe, but when you start telling them to defend that, they will rationalize and start thinking, well, can that possibly? And that's why my argument to them is that you already believe certain things that you have not seen. Ms. Thelma, you got a mic? Yes, sir. Uh, Pastor, you know, I was listening when you were saying uh, we, we have to have trust and believe in the person to tell us. My grandmother used to sit around and tell us they really didn't know when they was born. Their parents would tell them, you know, like they was born like when corn time, you know, when they gathered the crops within them three months. You know, they would just put a birthday down there, a month. But they believe their parents because they trust their parents. And then, you know, like sometimes an author would write a book on the alias name. And we believe, you know, that's who it is. Come to find out sometime it'd be a man writing a, a book, you know, name, and it'd be a woman, the author of the book. Amen. Amen. And, and so, and, and so but, and that's just a natural example, the point that we were trying to make. But we all agree here that the Bible is Holy Spirit inspired. But just because it's Holy Spirit inspired don't mean that everybody who read it think it's all true. I'm just telling you that, that there are some people that argue different parts of the Bible. And they argue for different reasons because you, if you really went through the Bible in a fine tooth, you will find some what we will call today probably typographical error in the accounts that, that, that people have to explain away. How did somebody in Kings record this event and said that 50,000 people died and then somewhere that same event is recorded and it said 75,000 people died? Get a mic. Get a mic. That's with any account, especially over the amount of years that it happened, and especially when things are restated and more than that, rewritten. O over time, you know, it's going to get skewed. But that, like, that, that can be typographical. That can be just, okay, somebody wrote it wrong. But that's not to say that what they wrote this time was right and what they wrote before was wrong. That's right. It doesn't make the account wrong. It just means that, hey, there could have been an error in the rewriting or the writing of it. And, and, that, and that's a good point, because, again, when you go back and study the, the, how the Bible was put together and all the writers who wrote it and the time they've been translated, right. transliterated, 
There are certain languages don't even have certain alphabets, certain words, so certain things will change. Excuse them just a little bit. And that's why they tell you when you study the Bible and you try to build something theologically sound, you don't build a doctrine off one scripture. You try to find a pattern that God has operated this way throughout the Bible, and you can say, okay, even though this guy don't record that, but because God did this back then, he did this in, in, with the prophets, he did this, and Matthew counted it, but then when, when John wrote, he didn't say it the same way, but you can say that's a pattern of how God operates. And, 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 and when, when they teach how to uh, properly interpret the Bible, they talk about patterns and, and, and certain things so that people know, because this book has been debated and is still debated to this day, and, and, you know, there's, there's always a big argument, you know, I know it's the word of God, but I know it was also written by the King James folks. And I know that some of their beliefs at that time were skewed. And you got to go back and do a deeper study and not just take old King James at his word, like we were taught to take at his word. Because they purposely put some language in there for a reason. And that's why a lot of people now have got away from the original King James because they don't found out that, hey, the writers wrote it to, to put a certain spin on it based upon the culture that they was living that day. That don't mean the original was bad. It just means by the time it got translated from Latin to English, some things got a little bit skewed. And that's why I tell anybody, if you're going to be a good Bible student, you ought to read more than one version of the Bible, and you ought to have a lot of study tools to go back and look up words now, original, original Hebrew or the original Greek to find our meaning because meanings and words have changed over the years. So it's important to go back and see what the original concept was when they wrote that versus how we may be using that today. And so I'm, I'm all pro, I'm pro Bible, don't get me wrong, but I realize that this book that we have here is not exactly like the original scripts that they found that was written back then. And, and we have to accept that, and that's why we have to study to show ourselves approved. You know? And, and so, so look at this. Now, he, he, again, making this argument about the resurrection, he says now, uh, verse 12, let me go back there. He said, but, but tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is no resurrection? From the dead, of the dead. If we preaching that, early on y'all said y'all believe that, but all of a sudden now, why some of y'all ain't saying that? Because somebody done got inside some of them head and making them start to doubt what they've been taught. And, and that is happening right now. I tell you, if you all you got to do is go out there and look up, deconstruct your faith. Just, just plug in those words right now. And you'll see people who you used to look up and say, man, that's the son of a powerful Christian right there. He was brought up in the church. He even was understudied to his daddy. Now he's writing things that go all the way contrary to what he used to say. And guess what? There are people who know his name recognition because of his father that will listen to him because his father gave him credibility. But his motivation now is to go through and deconstruct the Bible. Now, some people say they're trying to deconstruct it in order to restructure it in a better way, but some people are doing it to try to get people to doubt its authenticity. And if you don't know the truth and you don't know how to dig and study, 
then what they change and what they come against will can cause some young Christians and some old Christians who don't settle. Because you go to church every Sunday don't mean you're a student of the word. So a student of the word is somebody who study, who dig, and who do the research and try to be led by the Holy Spirit to know the truth of God's word. If this thing was that easy, we would not have a hundred different denominations. If it was that easy. Brother Herb. But then Jesus spoke to uh, John and said, don't add or subtract from this work. So right there, the evidence, you know, giving that instruction, knowing that when somebody reconstruct, they're either going to add or subtract from the word. So being a, a student, in a sense, to know, to know that if this, ma this man is adding and subtracting, that's what's against what God, what Jesus <coughs> gave the instruction to John. And so we should be aware of that. Amen. And, and, and that's why I said earlier, if you really, if you really going to really get deep into this, you really have to go back and start at the Aramaic or the Hebrew language to really start from there. Because again, even some good people who got good Bibles out there, you know, they all try to write the same passage in a way that people can understand it. But sometimes they change words here and there, and a word can make a difference in it. And that's why I said sometimes you have to study by looking at multiple sources and seeing how the consistency of it. And I don't care which type of Bible you read, whether you use King James, New King James, to you know, New American Standard. You can just look at that and say, why is it that all them different Bibles, when you read them, all scriptures don't read exactly the same? So now, what make New American Standard less than King James, or King James greater than that one? It depends on what you, your flavor is, which one you were brought up with. Most of us in the Baptist church, I was brought up, it was King James or nothing. <laughs> Original King James or nothing. Well, I was glad when they came out with New King James. <laughs> Because originally King James, it wasn't registered at that time. I wasn't studying, so I wasn't looking up the, the day that, yo thou, and all that. I went, man, I went, half of that I was just reading, but I had no clue what it was talking about. But then when I started studying and got books to look up all those words, and then when they came out with the new King James, that said, okay, that reads a little bit better. And so I think that wherever you are, you ought to have a Bible that is close and been looked at as being a good Bible, because they rate Bibles out there. You can go out there and they'll tell you which ones are written that's more in line with the Hebrew or the Greek than others. And so you kind of got to just find your flavor and, and, and figure out which one works for you. But right now, when I talk to young people, I never direct them to old King James. Because it, 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 it ain't going to do nothing for them. They ain't going to be able to follow it, especially if they're not going to study it like they should. But there are some people who swear by that. So what we have to understand is that over time, certain things change. But the truth, the, the thing that say he say most important, all of them got to say that. Right. All, all of them got to say, I don't care how they say it or they leave out the A or whatever. All of them got to say Jesus, son of God. Amen. 
All of them got to say he died for our sins. All of them got to say he was raised on third day. Plus, plus we got to say like Paul said, I am persuaded. Regardless of what they come out with, you got to be rootly grounded and persuaded there's nothing going to separate you from believing what God has said. Amen. So he says now, for there is, for some of you say, for, for if there is no resurrection, verse 13, resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, verse 14, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. So he's saying, we hanging our hat on the resurrection. That's something you're going to either down the hill on or you're going to jump off and go another way. Because he's saying, for me standing up and teaching you this, if someone, and I don't believe in the resurrection, and if Christ was not raised, then everything I'm saying, everything after that can sound so good, can teach you how to live, teach you how to live a good life, be successful, all that. But it's useless if it comes to the gospel if I don't say that Jesus was raised from the dead. So that's why I, I have a hard time today when I listen to a lot of ministries that on television and on different networks, they never introduce Jesus on a regular basis. I mean, they talk about a whole lot of things to get people attention, but they never talk about Jesus like that. They never put the focus on him and the thing uh, and what he represents as far as the gospel is concerned. And so even if you, get this, even if you didn't believe everything in the Bible and you didn't think it was God's word, it is a good book that got some good stuff in it that you can live by. If you just thought it was just another novel somebody wrote that a group of guys got together and put together, and you just read the Proverbs, some of those things make sense. Whether they, you think they're spiritual or not, some of those sayings make very good sense, even if you don't believe in Jesus. So therefore, somebody could take part of that and say, I like the Proverbs because that's real day-to-day -day living. But I ain't buying this Jesus part of it. I'm just going to take the Proverbs and, and run with them because I believe I can live okay just doing the Proverbs, but I, I can't buy into this resurrection. You, you, you can live okay, but can you wrap your mind around the fact Can you wrap your mind around the fact that, hey, that's it? Well, you know, he can... And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and you know, eternal life. I don't want to wait until it's that time to find out that, hey, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 Major saying, look, man, if it's a possibility, then I'm going to go ahead and go with the possibility on faith. And, and, and if, if it ain't no help, it ain't no big deal. At least I lived a good life and I did probably live longer than some other folks live. But if it is, I'm good. I'm in there. Because you believe there's something beyond physical death. Amen. Amen. Brother Mike? Yes, Pastor. We had, um, in Jesus' day, we had four different groups that he, was, he spoke about. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodias. They were different groups. Now, the scribes, the Pharisees and the scribes, the scribes were the elite group. 
that interpret the law. Then you had the Sadducees that did not believe in the resurrection. Yep. They only believe in the Torah. They only believe the five books of Moses. And but the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes, they believe in the resurrection. But this, this, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. But Jesus, when he was resurrected, the road to Emmaus, the day of his resurrection, he was walking with two men mm -hmm. that did not even know that it was him. And he had a conversation with them. Because one of them had not fully believed the resurrection. And they did not know it was Jesus they were walking with. And until um, Jesus asked them, they said, you're the only one that do not know what happened the last day. That how they crucified Jesus Christ and, and, and crucified him. And now Jesus is talking with them and did not know until Jesus went to their house. They invited him in. And when Jesus broke bread, they, their eyes were open. Amen. And they saw it was Jesus. And they said, oh, so, and after that, he was seen by over 3,000 people. So, uh, so there was evidence. That's why um, Brother Herb was saying about when you go to a court of law, they're going to tell you about witnesses, credible witnesses, what you can rely on. And certain things in the Bible, God brings us in a place where they have men that you can rely on, even if people doubt in their own mind. But there are evidence to prove of the resurrection. And that's what we base on. That's what we base our faith on. So as he's talking about Paul, he's saying... We base everything on the resurrection. Yep. And if the resurrection did not happen, then the Christian faith is in vain. Exactly. And, and again, that goes back to what, what, what Fred said earlier. Every, for us, everything comes down to faith. faith. I, I, like, like Adrian said, you know, we got to believe in things we have not seen. Amen. Faith is a substance thing, hope for the evidence of things not seen. None of us saw Jesus walk there. So by faith, we got to believe that what we read and that's true, none of us saw him walk there. And so based on that, then we have to act on that faith and start living in accordance with that and talking in accordance with that faith. So we have to testify to this, what we read and what we learn as if though we're witnesses too. Because we believe in the account of credible sources, just like people believe the account of credible sources when they repeat history facts. That may or may not always be true. Brother Fred? If, if we don't believe that uh, he fed 5,000 or uh, part of the Red Sea, if we don't believe none of that, as long as we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, none of that other stuff is not going to keep you out of heaven. But his death, burial, and resurrection, if you don't believe that, you ain't going in. Just <laughs> that <laughs> simple. So there's a lot, of, so everything is riding on. Him get up out of the grave. Amen. Amen. And, and again, that is the, that's why this chapter kind of outlines what is considered to be the foundational principles of Christianity, what, what is all based on when Paul wrote this. And everybody kind of used this. And this is where we get the resurrection story from. A lot of time we use this during the, the resurrection Sunday, talking about whether or not people believe that to this day. And he says, now look at verse 13. And we apostles going back to that, would all be lying about God if there's no resurrection. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. And 16, 
And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And that means the whole gospel that we believe is a lie if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. So we have to, by faith, believe that based on the written testimony that we have, as well as our faith to believe that what, it is, what is written is true. And when we talk about it, we have to talk about it as if though we are confident that it's true. Because again, there are people who have been arguing this for, 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 for years and years and years. And the reason I'm so concerned now, because with social media and so many different networks out there that people can get content out there on, and that content end up out there unchecked. And a lot of our young people are reading stuff, and just because it shows up every day at the same time, and it makes sense to them in the natural, they think that the person writing it may be a credible source. And that could be some guy sitting down in his basement. Just, just, just typing stuff up that come to his mind. And all of a sudden now, it makes a little bit of sense. And now somebody read that and don't know how to discern whether or not it's the truth or not. But again, if they're not studying the word of God, they don't know what the word of God. When you don't know the truth, anything can sound like truth to you. You can be deceived by what is being said. So he says, now look, verse 17 and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith, going back to what Fred said, is useless. And you are still guilty of your sin. In other words, there had to be an offering for sin. So if he didn't satisfy that, that means we're still walking around under the guilt of sin. But we walk around saying our sins have been forgiven because we believe that Jesus satisfied the righteous requirement of the law when he died on the cross. So he said, now look at verse 18. If that is the case, if that's, if that, if that case, in that case, I'm sorry, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. So everybody who done left before us, who left believing in Jesus, if there is no resurrection, they just die like everybody else. And, and that's it. So he was making a serious case here that either you believe it or you don't. But as a Christian, we got to believe it. Because I'm telling you, I hear this all the time. Other religions will acknowledge Jesus as being a prophet. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they, they don't deny that he was born. They don't deny that, 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 that he was a prophet and a great teacher. Because during that time, what we call you, him, his name by Jesus was a common name. So they'll say, hey, it was somebody named Jesus that was going around, but he's no different than that other dude over there that was a sorcerer that could work a little magic, but he ain't no different. And all of a sudden, he just died and went off the scene, so he just died. After, just died. And so what I'm trying to say is that because we have to accept all that by faith, we got to believe that our sins have been forgiven. We're no longer under the penalty and the bondage of sin. He says now, and, and, and again, that gives us confidence and hope because we have lost a lot of relatives. I mean, that's gone on before us. And they died in hope. They died believing that there was going to be a resurrection. And if there that, if that was not a resurrection, then guess what? They just perished. That's what he's saying. He said, now look. Verse 19. If and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, in other words, what I can see, taste, feel right now, this life, we are more 
we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. You know, I had to look at that a long time, Major. You know, he was just really talking to our natural man right there. He really talking to our natural man. He's like that guy walking, he said, Major, if you don't put all your hope in Jesus being raised from the dead and that dude don't come back, man, you don't waste a good life. You had a good life, man. You could have just hung out there with us and we lived life. We lived to the fullest, man. We went here, we parted, we did. We lived life. Man, you went to church every day. Some dude ain't even coming back. He said, he said look, if, if all we do is come to church and Jesus ain't coming back, somebody out there said, no fools. Look at the fools going over there at the church. They go to five over there. Jesus ain't coming back. They might well be out here with us. At least they'll be having fun. They'll listen to pastor and they go an hour on a sermon. They could be out here having some fun. That's what he's saying. I'm just telling you. He said, if this is not true, we ought to be pitied. And we're most pitiful. Wow. Brother Herb, I'm just, go ahead. Okay. Let, let me go this. All through the Bible, you give you evidence who God is. And all through what we see is we, we, you study and you study the word and it is mentioned uh, about the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God's speaking to his people, speaking to uh, individuals. And everything he said, it came true. And what they say in the past in the Old Testament prophesied, Jesus did came about. But what God, what the people have been inspiring, what God has told them, the truth was evidence. And with the evidence that Jesus came on the scene, he said, here I am. What my father, what Moses and all have talked about, here I am. The evidence is, is shown. And not only is that he state a case when his journey, his mission. Matter of fact, he even gave a picture to someone like Nazareth. I have the power of resurrection. And he brought someone from the dead. Evidence. The truth. But my point is, I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is that, when, you know, to the point where, to get to the point to, to believe with the faith, the evidence is there to, 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 to believe that. That's what I'm saying. It's strong. The evidence is all there that what he, what he spoke is almost, you cannot be a believer. But I know there are people who do not believe. We already mentioned about well, some. I already mentioned that. Some of these same religious but, folks. But, 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 but you're given to a point where when I'm stating, when you're just stating, it's hard for someone to believe for such a thing of resurrection. But all the evidence strongly present that, that who he was and what he said, that you, that you can believe that. That's what I'm saying. It's just all evidence is there. But, but, but Herb, I, I agree but, with you from our standpoint. Uh, but, but there are some people who will see the same evidence and yet don't believe it. Just because you say that evidence is truth and we believe it's the truth, someone else can look at the same evidence and say, I don't believe that. But again, who is he talking to? 
He's talking to believers here, but in a few minutes, in a few minutes I'm going to show you, he's going to tell them, I don't believe some of y'all believe. I'm gonna, let me get there. Because he's talking to a church, and obviously everybody in the church don't believe the same thing, but, or else he wouldn't have to have this long discussion. This is an elementary lesson about the gospel. Okay, what, 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 I'm, what, what I'm driving for, what, what I'm driving so to a point where we studying to a point to convince me or trying to convince others. I mean, you, I mean, to the point where we're supposed to go out to seek. Yes or no? I mean, you, you gave a message to go out to seek about the gospel. That's right. And so you study first to show yourself approved because you can't present something you don't believe. So, but just because you believe it, Herb, don't mean everybody's going to believe it. That, that's, um, that, that, I, I understand that, but I'm saying and through this Bible study, what you're teaching us right now, what I'm reading right now, it is, is are you convincing me to believe or what it is going on with the Corinthians, what Paul is dealing with the people, the unbelief. But what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is, Pastor, is, is, is this, is that I, coming out of this Bible study, I should be strong enough to believe on what the gospel. Well, he got to get the case hurt, but he's just dealing with the realities here. He is telling us what is happening here. If you look at this, I'm just reading what Paul said. He says, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, that he's trying to convince them if all we're living for is this current life right now, because he got some people out there who don't believe what he's saying. He's saying, so look, man, if our hope is only for this life, then we ought to be pitted than, uh, ought to be pitted than anyone in the world. If, if, if all we can get out of this now. So he's trying to convince some people out there in the audience, hey, if y'all sitting here now and all y'all believe is what you see in this life now, then guess what? You are being pitied for just sitting in here. Because all of them didn't believe. They weren't like you, Herb. There was somebody sitting next to you that didn't believe like you believe. And so he's telling them, hey, I'm trying to get to that person. I ain't trying to reach Herb with this right now. I'm trying to reach that person who don't believe in the resurrection. Herb already believe in the resurrection. I'm trying to tell this guy, if all you think is you're wasting your time, then why are you here? So Somebody told us this before, just like Paul is telling them, somebody told us before. And we, we were saying the same thing they were saying. I don't believe that. But here we are now, we believe it now, but we haven't always believed it. And just because you read it and somebody told you that, that doesn't mean automatically you believe it. No. A change has to occur. Somebody was saying to us, just like Paul is telling them, and, and well, I say I was saying the same thing. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But, but I'm just saying, somebody, he's doing what somebody did for us too. Somebody said, Jesus died, buried, and was resurrected. And I said, you know, I don't know about that. I, I said that. But now I believe that. So that's what Paul is doing. Paul is talking to believers that, people that don't believe. I can, understand, I, uh, I can understand that because I, I was there. 
And, that, and he come back and make the strong case after he make that pitiful statement, because he come back and say, look at this herb. He said, but in fact, he's telling now, in fact, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. In other words, he said, in spite of all that what y'all may believe in, the facts are, is Christ was raised from the dead. And he is the first harvest. In other words, he is the first of a great harvest. There are going to be others who are going to be raised from the dead too. He's not going to be the only one, but he is the first one that's going to be raised from the dead. And now everybody else who believes in him and believe the gospel will be a part of that harvest. So now, with that in mind, let me read on. Look what it says. He says in verse 21, So you see, just as death came in, into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. So he's leading that case, trying to convince the majors of the world, hey, look, I'm trying to convince you. Death came in by Adam. He was the one that brought all us on us. But then now, the resurrection, the death of Jesus is going to bring about a change in some things. Adam messed it up back then. He acknowledged it. He ain't trying to whitewash that or sugarcoat it. Adam messed things up. Man, because Adam did what he did, death is victorious to this day. Death is undefeated. And if we live long enough, we're going to die. That's just the facts. That's the truth. So, so what we have the hope for is that for that person who just think that you know going through the motion, for them, that's it. Because they all agree. They see people dying every day. Ain't nobody denying that. Even a heathen knows. Somebody don't die. We die. But the problem is that heathen don't believe there's going to be a resurrection. So we live differently because we believe that there's a resurrection, whereas that heathen say, hey, y'all just wasting y'all time. I'm going to go out here and eat, drink, and be merry. I'm just going to live my life like I want to live it because after I'm dead, that's it. I'm gone. And I'm just saying until people get to that point in life and have that change, that a lot of us came to the Lord was in the same place. We didn't, we didn't buy this gospel lock, stock, and barrel first time. We had to grow into it. Had to hear it rehearsed in our house, had to study, had to come to Sunday school, Bible study, all those things to start believing this and start walking by faith and not by sight. He said, now look, just to make my point what I just said, verse 22, just as everyone, somebody say everyone, everyone, everyone dies. Because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So in other words, say, hey, the physical part of us, we're going to all die because all of us belong to Adam. But the spiritual part of that going to be new life because we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if some people don't accept that, then they just going to believe, hey, just like Adam, I'm just going to die. So I'm going to live my life any kind of way because I know at the end of the day, even Solomon says, you know, you might as well be eat, drink, and be merry. Because in the end, Everybody going to die. Now that's the wisest man in the world said that. YOLO, yeah, yeah, you only live once, you might as well go for it. Yeah. So, 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 so the truth is that, that Adam brought this, this, this terrible curse on us, but Jesus gives us the hope for 
resurrected life, eternal life. Look at this, verse 23. But there is an order of this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he come back. So now he's planting the seed about Christ's return and giving them hope that there will be his return and a future resurrection of all those who have died. Then he says this. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler, even death, and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all the enemies beneath his feet. A total conquest. And that's when, you know, he said, hey, he's going to even take conquest over death. But then at that point when all that occurred, then now he turned everything back over to the Father because he's letting us know he is the Son. He is not greater than the Father. The Father was not under his authority. He was under the Father's authority. Now look what he says here, Major. Verse 26. He said, the last enemy to be defeated, to be destroyed, I'm sorry, is death. So until he come back, folk going to keep dying. That's just life. He said, now look, verse 27, for the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Then he says, of course, when he's, uh, of course, when it says all things under his authority, that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Okay? So the ultimate authority is still God, God the Father. Then verse 28, he says, Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. That time is coming. So then he go back to this, this argument. Look at this. If the dead will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Now, this is something they were doing. This was a tricky one right here because I don't think there's a doctrine out there like this and, 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 and that, that where it looked like they was, some was believing that you could be vicariously baptized for somebody else. Say, for instance, now, I, two thoughts on that. Now, some thoughts may be way extreme, you know, Major just never came around, and then, you know, he, he died and didn't believe, so I'm going to get baptized for him, because they believe that right. bapti baptism will save you. Right. So I'm going to get baptized at Major Place and get him in heaven, or get him get whatever he missed because he didn't come around. Right. Then the other thought is that maybe Major gave his life to Christ, but striving on baptized every day, every Sunday. He had to wait two months. And in the two-month window, he died. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to believe that, hey, he in. So now, to make sure, we're going to get, you know, Junebug to come over here and say, I want you to go down in the water for Major. Because he already gave his life to Christ, but we got to seal the deal. It ain't sealed until we baptize him. Well, I don't thank God for that. Because the thief on the cross killed all that thought. I mean, he got in, and he didn't even go to the water. So... So, but when, when this is put here, the reason uh, 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 
Paul don't even really address this, but apparently he just mentioned this because apparently somebody in the church was doing that. But he don't come back and try to defend it one way or the other. Like he don't come back and argue that. He, he just like he keep on going to make his point about the resurrection. He said, so let's look at this. If the dead would not be raised, so he's throwing this in their face. If you don't believe the dead going to be raised, Major, why did you go get baptized for Bobo? Why would you even go through that? Why even go through the motion? You just, you just came out the pool and you say you did it for Bobo. And now why would you do that? Unless you believe Bobo going to be raised because of you getting baptized for him. So he said, that's foolish if you don't believe in the resurrection. Look at this. What point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? If I think I'm going to get major in the heaven, and I think the dead going to be raised, then I'm going to go get in this water for major, because when I get there, I want to see major up there. That's what he's trying to tell. So now he's using this as an argument to try to come at them and say, hey, what y'all argument is, is it's a vain argument. Then he come back and use his own testimony and the others who are like him. He says, and why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? Man, if this wasn't true, man, I, I wouldn't have to be getting beat up in every town I go to getting chased out of town, man, I ain't had a peaceful night's sleep in months. I mean, folks looking for me, hounding me down, man, this resurrection better be true because if it wasn't true, man, I would have gave up this, this gig some time ago because this, this gig ain't got no benefits. I almost got beat to death in Ephesus. I mean, they had to let me down through a window, man, and hide me in a bushel to get out of town. And so now I'm going to tell you and say that I got doubt about the resurrection when people trying to kill me for that? So, I mean, so that, that's like you. If you'd have made sacrifice for the Lord, man, and somebody tried to tell you, man, look here. All this stuff I go through because I'm saying I believe in Jesus. Come to church, do what I'm supposed to do, do what I believe he's telling me to do. And then all of a sudden now you're going to tell me ain't no resurrection? Oh. Why would I put myself in the risk? Why would I even be a member of a church at all? Go through this. Why even sit here on the Bible study? I mean, be at home watching, watching whatever you like watching on Wednesday night. So he was trying to put that back on them and say, hey, look here, if that's the case, man, as an apostle, I wouldn't even be risking my life if this thing wasn't real. He says, now look, for I swear, my dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done for you. He said, now look, he wasn't trying to say he was prideful. He just said, I'm just so certain that Jesus died for our sin, was raised from the dead. He said, look, just like that happened, man, I go through hell every day. All because of what I believe. People trying to kill me. And I'm not saying this in my pride. I'm just saying this, that hey, I got so much confidence in what Jesus did that I'm willing to die for it. Wouldn't have died for it. And, and I think that that's the beauty that we live in America. We don't really have to die for our faith. Rarely. And normally when someone take a terrorist act on the church, they're just mad at somebody and they're just doing a 
a, a, a hateful, evil right. thing. But it's not like in some countries where people are persecuted and they can't even say that they're Christians. They have to live underground and be Christian. But here, we can freely acknowledge that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for our sin, raised on the third day. We can, we can acknowledge that. And we can do it, so we ought to be even more adamant about doing it than Paul. Because we're doing it, we don't have the threat of somebody trying to kill Major. Major can go out and get him a sign and walk up down the street and say, Jesus lives, I love Jesus, and ain't nobody going to try to kill him daily. Now, people try to muzzle the truth. You know, they don't got it in the workplace. You can't do certain things. But it ain't like these guys. They, they lie for that stake for what they believe. Because like Brother Mike said, there were some people who believed just so strong on the other side that they believed that anybody that came against what they believed was a threat to them. So therefore, they, wasn't, they didn't mind killing folk. I mean, Rome is a good example. I mean, you know, they slaughtered Christians in Rome. All because what they believe in was coming against some of the teachings of the Roman government, the, the Roman Empire. He says now, verse 32, he said, and what value was there in fighting wild beasts? Talking about vicious people. He ain't talking about, you know, no wild beasts. Those in Ephesus, all you got to do is go back and read the book of Acts and see what happened to him when he was in Ephesus. He says, what value? Why would I go through that if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection from the dead, let's feast. There he is, Frank. He said, look, man. Hey, Fred, Fred, he said, look, man, ain't no resurrection. We might be just going to start partying. We ain't, no, ain't no resurrection. Let's just, go ahead and, let's just go ahead and turn the party out right now here in Striving. Pull out the wine from the back back there. Ain't no resurrection. Ain't no need. We ain't got to sit here all tight like that. Let's loosen up. Let's go ahead and feast. That's what he said. Let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. All we got to look forward to is death. And since death is undefeated, why fight it? Just go ahead and have some fun. Do you live life? Because ain't no resurrection. Now, he said that, but he was still trying to make his point. And then, then he come back and say, and we take this out of context, but his, this, this uh, comment was targeted at, at those who are hanging with people who don't believe in the resurrection. So he says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Some of your Bible say bad company corrupts good behavior. But the behavior he's talking about now is the bad company. You start hanging around with too many folk who don't believe in the resurrection, then they're going to mess around and corrupt you. You can't keep company with them if you don't have the faith and the strength to believe in the resurrection because someone will talk you out of it. Amen. Then the last thing, I'm going to quit right here at 34 because we'll pick up next week in 35. He says, think carefully about what is right. Stop sinning. For, it, for, for to your shame, now look what he said here. <laughs> now, that Major... He had to be bold to say this. He talking to a church. He talking to a church. People in the church. He says, for to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. 
Man, I mean, I mean, I can see, I see folks up there squinting and getting ready to cut. Now, man, this dude just say, I done sit here and listen to his whole sermon, and all of a sudden he gonna say, some of you don't believe in God at all, don't know Him, sitting up in here, and don't even know. Him. Well, that I believe that happened today. Some people come to church and sit up in there, and don't even know God at all. And that's why we have to try to keep the word before them, present it. But just because we do that don't mean everybody's going to receive it. We don't know who's going to receive it. We don't know when they're going to receive it. And we hope that all will receive it. But we know that some people have rejected this gospel and have moved on. We know people like that. And we know some people who have rejected and come back. And so but, but whatever we do, we still have to stand on the truth of the resurrection, Fred. We got to preach it whether one person believe it or another person don't. We can't run away from the resurrection because it's a tough subject. And so what Paul was trying to do, he said, look, I'm not going to sweep this under the rug. I'm going to deal with it. And I know I'm dealing with it in a hostile crowd because some of you all don't even believe it and don't even know God. You're sitting up in here ready to argue, ready to do all this. And I'm trying to present this case to you. I believe it. And that's what you let me know. I believe this. And so therefore, I'm believing it. But he, at the end, he says, there's a possibility that somebody's sitting out there that don't even know God, even though I'm giving a good testimony. So there are some people that you're going to testify to, witness to. You're going to give your best testimony. And they ain't going to believe it. But that don't stop you from giving it. Because there's somebody out there who will. And maybe your testimony is just a seed that you're sowing. Somebody else is going to come and water it later. And five years from now, that light may come on that person's life. And they're going to go back to that conversation you had with them. Because you may not see the fruit right away. But I'm I'm mild enough as a pastor. I never take it for granted that everybody that come to church on Sunday know God. Even though they come to church routinely and regularly. They don't have that intimate relationship with God to the point that they stand on the truth of God's word 100% and believe that. that. There's some people that still question and have doubts about certain things. But that don't mean we run away from the doctrine of the resurrection. That don't mean we don't talk about it. That don't mean we don't teach it. Even though in the natural, they may not be able to wrap their mind around it. And that's why we have to keep the faith message out there with them saying, hey, even though you can't tie this together with your logical mind because I know you're a logical thinking person this is where you're going to have to trust the Lord on this one I can only tell you what the words say and you either believe it or you don't that's it it. any last comments before we get ready to close out before we get ready to close out again he's going to get deeper a little bit next week and start talking about the body resurrection and, and again this is part of that that big discussion in the church today, I mean, as, and I'm not going to get deep into what people believe about premillennium, postmillennium, antimillennium, and what the glorified body going to look like, I mean, because I don't read so much of that. I just know that he say he's coming back. What the body going to look like, I can't wrap my mind around it, but as long as he come back and get me, it don't matter. <laughs> don't, that ain't a big deal. I ain't going to fall on that sword and say, if he don't get me this way, then that ain't a, authentic. Man, I... There's something God just didn't make all the way plain to all of us out here on earth. There's something that ain't going to be revealed until he come back. And we just have to accept that. I think sometimes we theologians think that we know it all and we really don't. And all we know for the most part of what somebody else done wrote 
and we have to hope today what they wrote is recorded as good and right. So, okay, some announcements.